Welcome everyone to your uncensored space to realize God's pace and plan for your life. Conversations and messages from people who are true representations of Godsends and will inspire you to experience and become a Godsend for others as well. I'm your host Raymond Chi and this is the Godsend Podcast. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Godsend Podcast. I'm your host, Raymond Chi, and yes, I know it's been a minute, my fault, but I am excited to kick off 2021 with um, this guest that we have today. Um, It's a true honor. Um, He is known personally, in my opinion, the best fucking personal injury lawyer in Atlanta. Um, He is a rising YouTube uh, YouTuber as well. Um, the most hype beast super lawyer that I know. Um, not just him personally, but his family as well. Like, we'll get into that, but the most hype beast family that I know. So, um, without further ado, that person is Mr. Edward F. Kim Esquire. Welcome, What's welcome. Um, thank you so much again for coming on, Mr. Kim. Uh, let me get a round of applause. Uh, thank you. Uh, Thank you again. Um, so, yeah, if you don't mind, uh, just a brief background of like who you are, uh, what you do, and then start from the beginning, if you don't mind, uh, like yeah. how you grew up and whatnot. Well, first of all, thanks so much for having me on your podcast. No, thank you, sir. Uh, I'm looking forward to having a lot of fun and just just talking, right? No doubt, no doubt. So, as you mentioned, my name is Eddie, uh-huh. and I am an attorney here in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, start from the beginning, well, at least from a professional perspective, I started my practice about 10 years ago. Uh-huh. Uh, we're on year 10 right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started my law firm right out of law school, which was really crazy at the time. It was towards the tail end of 2010. 2010. Um, geez. So like post-crisis kind of a couple years after. Yeah. yeah. The economy was still recovering. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was way too many attorneys out there. Really? Uh, wow. Not enough jobs. Jeez. So law firms were not hiring. Uh, I actually did my 2L summer at a really big law firm. Mm-hmm. I thought I was going to get a job mm-hmm. there after the end of the summer, but uh, they didn't take me on. Damn. And it was a very, very stressful time for me. And I can tell you just like, you know, you graduate, you've got, you know, close to $400,000 in student loan debt combined, me and my wife, and not having a job. I didn't have a job. My wife didn't have a job offer. Mm-hmm. So we're just trying to figure things out. Like, how are we going to, like, get through this? Yeah. And my fr- I did eventually get one job offer from an immigration law firm. They offered me $30,000 a year. Mm. And they said, we would like to bring you on because we don't have a personal injury division mm-hmm. in our office. So we don't know how to do personal injury. So it would be your responsibility, you know, to create that department in our law firm. Wow. I went home and I was like, shit, 30,000 <laughs> is better than nothing. Yeah. No, no facts. Yeah. But I was calculating, like, how am I ever going to buy a house, start a family? Mm. You know, my mom essentially was homeless at the time. 2008, she lost her home. She <laughs> lost her business. Um, so... We have, a, we have a pretty big family. She's got a lot of brothers. She mm-hmm. has a brother here in Atlanta and brother in New York. Mm-hmm. So she was just kind of floating back and forth between New York and Atlanta mm-hmm. from one, one uncle's house to another. And wow. that was stressing me out too because nobody wants to see their mom just like, you know. Yeah, going house to house. And what? Yeah, yeah, no doubt. 
So wow. it was a really, really, there was a lot on my shoulders at the time. I got a, uh, at the time I had a kid sister too, who was like in college and wow. it was really, really stressful. And $30,000 really did sound better than nothing. Hmm. But ultimately when it came down to it, I was yeah. calculating my expenses and you know, how much I'd have to pay back and sue my student loan payment. I think to like try to get it paid off within like 10, 15 years, I had to make $4,000 a month, something like that. Wow, at least. Yeah. And at $30,000 a year, that's not even the student loan payment. <laughs> that's not so even. at that point, it's just like, all right, this guy who doesn't know anything about personal injury sees something in me, has offered me some money to start a personal injury department division in his office. Mm -hmm. I was like, well, that sounds like starting a law firm to me. And so rather than accepting that position, I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to do it on my own. What? And oh, everybody see, was just I like, see. you're crazy. Word. Family, friends, classmates, professors, even my wife, because we had just gotten married in our last semester of law school. Uh -huh. So, you know, you have a little bit of seed money from that. Yeah. You know, getting married, wedding gifts and all that. Yeah. My wife was really pushing me to be like, hey, let's just get a house with this and have a place to live. But... I convinced her by telling her, like, look, we might be able to afford a down payment on a house right now, but what's the point of making a down payment on a house if we can't continue to make the mortgage payment? Yeah. We just end up making a house, we lose everything, and we still have the student loan debt. <laughs> Back to square one, right? Yeah. So I convinced her, and I've always been kind of a, a self-driven type of person. I've always been kind of like a DIY, do-it-yourself. If he can do it, I can do it. I've always had that mentality. And so we started, we started our practice. I bought a computer. I bought a printer. I negotiated 12 months worth of free office space rent. Wow. And that was super clutch because what hell? happened was, yeah. oh, wait, I mean, 2010, like law firms were shutting down left and right. Yeah. And there was one attorney who had really felt the impact of, of the recession. And so he was 10 years deep in the game and he was like, fuck it, I'm done with this. So wow. he's like, I'm going to wind my firm down. But he owned his building. So I was able to say, look, there's a lot of work to be done when you close a law firm down. You've got to close down the cases yeah. and then you've got to, you know. Yeah, logistically, it's a nightmare, but right, it's, it's a still, lot to do yeah, still a lot to for do. one person. So I was like, I'll work for you for free and help you do that if I can take 12 uh, months once, once you're out of what? here. It was like that. Damn. So I helped him close his firm down and I got that 12 months is really, really clutch because when you first start out, there is no clients. There is no money being made. It's everything. is It's just building time. It's raw. You know, get your computer in there. Get your printer <laughs> in there. Make your business cards. Yeah. I remember like what our business cards looked like. They were so cheesy at the time, <laughs> but it was like the, the cheapest, you know, whatever you could get. Your cheapest thing you can just print off. And, um, I actually started, his building was in Atlanta's Koreatown, mm -hmm. a little like a suburb in Atlanta called Duluth, Georgia. Mm -hmm. A lot of Korean people there. For sure. And uh, one of the reasons I started there was a lot of people were telling me like, hey, if you're going to start your own practice, at least market yourself to Korean people because you're Korean and Korean people are going to hire you. American people are going to look at you sideways. They're not going to hire you. Oh, man. And a part of me kind of like fell into that because my, my mom had a business. Yeah. Uh, she was a photographer. Okay. And, you know, she 
She marketed towards Korean people. She did Korean weddings. Had connections, like right? Most of it was Experience. like Korean people. For sure. My uncle's got a jewelry store. Same kind of same type of situation. Like if yep. you're Korean American, you know that small business world. Yep, you know that culture. Everybody kind of sticks to that yeah. in your neighborhood. Yeah. And so I, I was kind of used to that. So I was like, I guess this is kind of normal. So I started there. I started knocking on doors, uh, Korean doctors, Korean chiropractors. Wow. And like getting really deeply involved in that. But I think it was like the half month period. I was just like, man, I don't know how many Korean people there are. I think there's like maybe 200, 250,000 in Atlanta. Really? Which is a lot. You can do a lot of business with, with that type of population. I didn't realize that. There's a lot that. of law firms that exist right now in K-Town who only cater towards Korean clients. Wow, really? Um but it just dawned on me. I was like, man, I'm really limiting myself. Number one, I am Korean. I'm proud to be Korean. Okay. But my Korean language skills. Yeah. I mean, I can, I can go out and have fun. I can go to K-Town. I can go to Durevang. I can go to the restaurant. I can order food. You know, I can pick up girls. Well, I'm married now, but at the time, <laughs> you know, I could do enough to get by socially. No doubt. But when you're trying to explain legal jargon <sighs> to lay people and you don't really know how to say it in Korean, like you sound like an idiot. Yeah. You, know? you just sound, you know, when like you don't speak Korean well and you're like with Korean adults and Korean adults, like kind of like they know. <laughs> oh my god, imagine that, but in a professional setting with clients. Oh, damn, you know? and they got to trust that you know what you're doing, you're taking care of their case. I found that language barrier to be really difficult and also the kind of, I was young. I started my practice when yeah. I was 29. Average age of my clients is much higher than 29. So there's already that automatic like age hierarchy situation going on as For well. Sure. A lot of like, you know, what do you actually know? <laughs> A lot of testing me. And it was very stressful, very, very stressful. And as much as I belong in that world, I also felt like I didn't belong in that world. And I think a lot of Korean Americans can identify with that. Absolutely. I'm pretty sure everyone can, whether you're, you know, you're hanging with your Korean friends that only speak Korean, you're too American for them. <laughs> you're hanging out with your white friends, your black friends, you might be too Korean for them. Of oh, course, everybody no. knows that. Yeah. Right? In the professional world, it is no different. Damn. And I realized that. But what made me come out of K-Town mm. once my 12-month lease was up I don't even think the full 12 months came up. I think what happened was, if I can remember correctly, that attorney had a tenant who wanted to move in. And he had asked me, he's like, hey, Eddie, I know I said 12 months. Yeah. Like, can you share? Uh, it was a huge office. I didn't need all that office. Can oh, you space, mind sharing yeah. it with another tenant? And I was like, okay, no problem. But me and his other tenant, we weren't really getting along either. Um, he had a totally separate business. And we just weren't vibing. Yeah. And I, I just kind of took that opportunity to say, you know what? I'm going to go and I'm going to market myself to everybody. I'm not going to limit myself or restrict myself in, in one area, one type of people. I speak English. If you can speak English, then we, let's rock. Let's so go, yeah. I took everything from the suburbs of Duluth and I came to the heart of Atlanta, right in the middle of the city. And I opened up shop here Whoa. and I did exactly what I did in Atlanta, mm -hmm. but, uh, or what I did in Duluth, Duluth. but in Atlanta. And man, I, that was where I should have started because there are so many more people than just Korean people. <laughs> and I've, I have all types of clients, black clients, white clients, Asian clients, um, 
never in my 10 years has anyone said, oh, I don't, you're Korean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to work with Damn, you. Damn, yo. In fact, I would say a lot of being Korean, um, being a minority, I think it even helped me. I think there's some like stereotype that, you know, Asian people work hard or Korean people work hard. <laughs> I think that stereotype actually was beneficial to me. In that um, sense, yeah. But that was huge. And as soon as I realized like, oh, I don't need to limit myself on who I represent, then it was go time after that because it was much harder to find client, the Korean clients looking for my services. Whereas now it's like anybody who had ever been involved in an accident or been injured for whatever reason, you know, I had an opportunity to represent them. Um, being based right here in the center of Atlanta, I think that was really helpful too. Damn. I think there's this kind of this notion that, you know, you, you're kind of taken more seriously, I guess, like if you're in the city city, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. In the heart of the city where everything's going on, yeah. Exactly, where all the action is. Mm-hmm. And from there, like, I'll tell you, uh, it just snowballed. It really wow. started in K-Town, though. Um, my first case is hilarious, yeah. man. I'm never going to forget it. <laughs> Let's it go. Just, we're like wondering, how are we ever going to survive? And then this <laughs> client comes in, and uh, he, he got rear-ended. So when you're rear-ended, it's definitely the other person's fault for yeah. the accident. And, you gotta, and that person then has to compensate you mm-hmm. for any injuries that you sustain. Mm-hmm. It was like a love tap. I, I could literally look at the back of the car, like lick my thumb. Oh, I, I probably rubbed the scratch off of that. Oh, man. But, uh, and I think most attorneys, I think, had, had turned him down. Wow. Because uh, they knew that fact. Nobody wants to work on a case like that. Yeah. There's not much value there. Mm. Uh, you still have to spend a lot of time on each case. Whether the case is high value or low value, you're doing a ton of work on, on it no matter what. And oh. so a lot of attorneys are just like, that's just not worth my time. For sure. Luckily for him, I had all the time in the world. I didn't <laughs> even have one case. So, and it was, I think it was a blessing that my first case was a really low risk case. Like he wasn't expecting much. He was just, happy that I accepted this case uh-huh. and I learned a lot. I learned like what insurance companies are looking for, you know, how to, how to present a case to the insurance mm-hmm. company so that I can, you know, yeah, you got that exposure. Right? Yeah. And we just, I just worked this really, really small case to the bone and we had an outstanding result from it. And he was thrilled from there. Like there is no better advertising than good work. Like you can have as many TV commercials as you want and radio and all of that SEO, all of that's great. All yeah. of that's going to be helpful to you. If you run a business, you need all of that. Mm. But one thing that goes the furthest that reaches the most people is when you actually do good work for someone, because after that, mm. that person's entire network becomes your network, mm. his wife, his kids, his coworkers, his friends, everybody that he knows now when they get into a car, they're yo, Go see my boy, Eddie. I I had the smallest case and he just worked a miracle for me. So with, you know, your severe injury, I'm sure he's going to be able to knock it out the park. That word of mouth, right? That's really how that works. It was literally the reason we're successful now. It's 10 years of that. We didn't say no to anybody. We accepted every single case and we took care of every single case like it was a million dollar case. Wow. No matter what. No matter what. Yeah. And thank God that we did because my first million dollar case was looked at the initially like a run of the mill kind of whiplash type of case. She got rear ended, her neck hurt, 
you know, we thought she'd go to the chiropractor a couple times, maybe go see an orthopedic. Uh, but her pain just would not resolve. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, like, she kept trying to, uh, she approached every single different type of treatment. She started conservatively with a chiropractor. She tried uh, orthopedic, um, uh, did some injections. They tried to uh, do what's called RFAs and burn the nerve end. Holy uh, everything to resolve the pain. And that's all considered like conservative type treatment, but nothing was helping. Ultimately, she was recommended for neck surgery where they had to fuse her neck. She had to get surgery. Uh, the accident wasn't horrible. It wasn't even like a total loss where the airbags deployed. Mm-hmm. It just seemed like a regular kind of car accident, but ultimately she needed to get surgery. And from there, uh, because we took care of the case so well, we stayed up to date with her. Um, her case kind of ballooned into this thing. And it was when we resolved her case, we resolved it for a million dollars <sighs> even. Um, and that was a really special, that's kind of when everything really changed for my firm because that, uh, our reputation just went sky high. Um, and I was feeling good because my client was homeless at the time. What? didn't even have a home. So she took her proceeds. She had lost her child because she was homeless. Mm. So from there, she, once we closed her case, she was able to afford to buy a beautiful home, wow. get her child back. And for Amen. Me, that nice. was one of the most gratifying feelings that I've ever had. And I've been, I, I like to chase that feeling on every single case that we do. Absolutely. And that really put us on the map. And from there, it just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And, and you know, we've been rocking and whether we're resolving case for $10,000, $100,000, million, million plus, like we put in our work um, Treat it all the same. and every time we do that, that client's network just becomes our network every single time. And that's, that's how we've done this thing. So on a, on a very like local community level, yeah. Kim law is very popular. Like <sighs> if you're in Atlanta and you've been injured, you've been in a car accident, they know call Kim law because Kim law is going to take care of you and take care of your rights. So you're like Jacob and Ronnie out here in LA. If y'all know him, <laughs> man, you know what I mean? When you call Jacob, he's a huge Laker fan, but no word that's dude, respect young. Um, then like in regards to your business, right? Like yeah. we, we spoke on your business and all your like success with Kim law. Right. But can we backtrack and go to your personal, let's say like, where did Edward, like, how was this born, man? How did this manifest? Like, from the beginning of, like, how you grew up okay. and whatnot. Yeah. So, when I look back at look back at everything now, and I see myself now, yeah. it all makes sense. But back <laughs> then, I was directionless, like, totally wayward. I had no idea. I've always been a studious kid. So, I've always, my dad mm. is a, prof- my dad was a professor and a researcher. Mm. So, school was like, you know. A lot of Korean families are that way. You know, academics is the most important. Uh, they really stress that on me. And so I'll tell you, yeah. like, my dad taught me, like, how to sit down and do work. So from sixth, seventh grade on, my dad, uh, he worked, we lived in Tuscaloosa, Alabama at that time. He mm-hmm. was teaching at the University of Alabama. He would pick me up from school every day, and then we'd go to his office. And then my dad worked late. He worked till 10, 11 p.m. every single night. And I stayed with him in his office until then. Wow. And my job was to review work from yesterday, do my homework for the day, and then preview the work for the next day. And I did that from like seventh grade all the way, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, all the way up to 10th grade. What? And that's how I learned how to study. 
But I'll tell you at the same time, it burned me out because tenth grade, you wanna you wanna chill with your friends, you Absolutely. wanna hang out, you wanna have fun. Yeah. Um and and so 11th grade, I ended up moving to Korea. I went to a really, really dope school. Um, shout out SFS, Seoul Foreign School. Seoul really, Foreign School. Really great school. school in Korea. I think even like admissions might be difficult, more difficult there than some colleges. What? Yeah. Is it international school? Or? It's an international school. Uh-huh. So it's kids just like you and me. Uh-huh. Um, my dad uh, got recruited at Yonsei University. Oh, word. Yeah. So, so we, we moved to Korea and kids like me who grew up in, in uh, English speaking, in an English speaking country, they all go to these kind of international schools that uh-huh. they have for like all the corporate kids and things like that. Uh-huh. Ambassadors, children. And uh, I'm 17 years old Damn. and I'm in the middle of Seoul. Like, I don't know how big <laughs> Seoul is, but it's way bigger than Manhattan. And I speak English. I got a U.S. passport. I mean, I got a license to do whatever I want. It's hard <laughs> to just make it to class. I couldn't even get to class because there's like the Tangujang, there's there's like Pisibang, there's everything. So much freedom and temptation. School, as you're looking around, you're like, damn, you know, I don't need to go to school. I could do all this. Oh man. And so I became like I was just like partying a lot and uh my dad couldn't c- control me at that point anymore. I think I'd gotten old enough. And uh, basically, he was like, all right, I'm not spending this money on this school for you to just party. So he kicked me out. Oh, and I ended up moving to Atlanta, Georgia, which is where I am now, uh-huh. living with my auntie and uncle, just like the Fresh Prince. <laughs> and, uh, it, was, it, it really fucked me up because I went from being the only Korean kid in a small town in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And that's pretty much how my life was all the way up till that point. To going to Korea where everyone in school is like me. And it's like nobody is hating on me for being Korean. Yeah, um, there's definitely some of that like anti-Americanism, a little bit of that, but not. Man, it's if you keep your mouth shut, nobody knows. You know. Yeah, you just, absolutely. It's a weird feeling to go outside and like everybody's the same. It's <laughs> you know. Yeah, and when if you were not a minority, like you don't know what that feeling is like. Absolutely, once you, like flip it. So coming back to Atlanta was a real culture shock. I was like, damn, back to square one, where I'm like the only Korean kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and what happened was I was really upset with my dad and he was just living in Korea and he'd come visit. And over the summer he came to visit. We weren't really on good speaking terms. Um, you know, he just wasn't understanding me. I wasn't understanding him yeah. at all. Uh, and, you know, now I understand where he's coming from. He's just looking out for me, but he was tough. You know, I come from a long line of sons that are not good enough for their dad. You know? Oh, I shit. He yeah. it himself with his dad, my that, grandpa, you know? Play that. Yeah, that's that K-drama right there, man. Yeah. So I, could, <laughs> I, definitely underst- I definitely understand now, but at the time I didn't. Of course. What ended up happening was when uh, he stayed with me, like one morning, it was like five in the morning, four in the morning, still kind of dark outside, but the sun was coming up. I heard my mom shrieking and I was like, and I just ran over. We're staying at my uncle's house. I went into the guest bedroom, ran in there. And I saw my dad just like, just struggling to catch his breath. Like it was really just like, man, he's just like gasping for his last breath. I could see him and I was like, fuck. I was like, there's no way that this is happening. Um, but that day, he, he died of a massive heart attack. Totally, like, came from left field. I had no idea. Um, and at that point, my life spiraled all the way down. Like, at that point, it was just like, what are we going to do? 
You know, my dad was a the breadwinner. My mom yeah. had no. She was a housewife. She was a bomb housewife. You know? <laughs> she uh, made sure the house was always clean. Mm. Fucking. You know, three Amen. meals per day. You know, she didn't know what it was like to work or be a businesswoman. And uh, I, I, I had a lot of guilt, too, because my dad passed away. When we weren't really on good terms. Yeah, on the best terms, yeah. So my mom just, like, just going through depression, like heavy depression. Um, my sister's 10 years younger than me, just kind of really not even know what's going on, but knowing what's going on. Mm. And uh, I really lost my way at that time. Drugs, bitches, <laughs> alcohol, Damn. every day, all day. Um, I don't even think I wanted to go to school. I, it's hard for me to remember, but I believe what happened was my mom went ahead and applied to college for me. What? Uh, oh, shit. At Georgia State. Uh. Georgia State is like the local uh, state college here. Mm -hmm. So um, I ended up getting in and I went. And my first two semesters, I got 10 W's. I just withdrew from everything. <laughs> um, and I was just partying hard every day. And I just was not. I'm, a lot of people, when I run into them now, that from back in the day, are like, man, I can't believe you're still alive. <laughs> oh, you know, shit. I was going hard in the you're pain. Raging. I just did not really care. Damn. Um, and, you know, once you see your dad die, like, life becomes very fragile. And I will say, like, I started getting kind of like, damn, man, this could end at any point, so I'm just going to go out with a bang, whatever. YOLO, like, literally, yeah. Yeah, YOLO, like, literally. But uh, I don't know what it was, but one day mm. I just woke up, and uh, I really credit, I really, this is going to sound so corny, um, but I really credit God, man, because I woke up one day, and my... Amen. I just changed. I literally just, it just took one day and I was like, Eddie, like, what the fuck are you doing, bro? Shit. Like, it's time to wake up and go back to those days. Like, you know how to study. So I, I went back to Georgia State. Um, and I don't remember, it was like, I think I got straight A's for like the next two semesters and a summer semester. You know, maybe there was a, a B in there or something, but That's, I did really well. Yeah, it was night and day. Yeah. It was night and day. <laughs> yeah. And so then I transferred um, out of Georgia State. Mm -hmm. um, you know, going to a good school was something that my dad really wanted for me. Mm. You know, he's he's been a he's been a professor at UT. He graduated from Penn State. Uh, he taught at University of Alabama at Yonsei University. So going to a good school was yeah. very important to my dad. And uh, not to not to like um, not to say that Georgia State isn't a, a legitimate school. Mm. It is, but. Um, my dad had higher expectations for me than that. And so I ended up transferring out. Um, I went to Emory University. started mm -hmm. at this, uh, they have a college called Oxford College. Uh, you start there, and then once you finish Oxford College, you move on to the main campus at Emory College. Oh, okay. And that's what I did. And uh, Emory's a, a top, probably the best school here in yeah, Georgia. In so Georgia, I was, right. I really uh, was proud of myself for that. But the biggest thing about going to Emory and I think where God comes into play is I met my wife uh, when I was at Oxford. We became friends my first year there. Yeah. And then we started dating in our last year of uh, college. College, okay. She was uh, uh, art history, visual arts uh, student. I was an English and creative writing student. I was going to go get my master's in fine arts. Mm. She was going to go to medical school. Uh, 
And I realized if we're going to go to school together or if we're going to be together, yeah. if we go to different schools, like what's the likelihood that we stay together? I was like, April, long distance, right? Yeah. Let's, uh, let's compromise. How about we both apply to law school <laughs> and then let's just ditch our initial goals and let's go to law school together. And like, let's not like, let's not let what we become be our goal, but let's let, you know, us being together be our goal. Okay. I see that main goal. Okay. I see what you mean. The bigger picture. Like, okay, let's do that. Oh, so, you know, what's really funny though is April and I had very similar scores, LSAT, uh, GPA and everything. Oh. So when we're applying to schools, like I realized like we're kind of canceling each other out. <laughs> like you guys are competition. I'm getting accepted in one place and she's getting accepted <laughs> in another. I'm getting rejected. She, she's getting she's accepted. Rejected in the other. Yeah. It's just like, I'm like, oh man, like, cause we're coming from the same school. We're coming from the same, like, uh, like creative background, same GPA, same all sets. On paper, stuff. right? Y'all look pretty similar is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, so I was like, man, what am I going to do? But my dream school to get accepted into uh-huh. was Penn State because that's where my dad went to school. What? That's how it co- Okay. Now it makes sense. Penn State. Damn. So uh-huh. I grew up, my dad got his uh, master's and PhD there. So I grew up on Penn State, on Penn State football. You I know, Korean people don't even really watch football if you're like from Korea. Not at when all. you live in a town like State College, you, there's no way you can't get into it. And my dad was like full blown, like heavy Penn State Nittany Lions. So I grew up, you know, even if we switched schools, we still rooted for Penn State. Damn, so my for sure. school, once I came out of Emory, was like, I want to go, I'm a huge college, I'm like a college football nerd. <laughs> so I'm like, I want to go to Penn State for law school. So I realized, I get my acceptance letter uh, first. And I realized at that point, I was like, okay, April might not get in because I just got in. So Shit. I contacted admissions. And I said, look, um, my wife also applied. And I just want to let you know, like, we've been dealing with this issue where I get accepted the one and she, she doesn't or she gets accepted and I don't. But this is my dream school. And we, I'd really like for you to give both of us the opportunity to enroll there. And they were like, man, you guys should have just told us in your application that you're married. We love married couples. Um, that's how we got into, that's how we got into Penn State. <laughs> oh. accepted, like, really, like, at that moment, I think, they were like, yeah, no problem. And then so... That's how we got to law school. And then law school, I'm from a creative background. So, man, it was hard. It was a, it's a foreign language. It's very, very difficult. I, usually when I study, yeah. then I can make an A. That's, if I make, a, like you make put my in the decision effort. to go for it, I'm mm-hmm. going to make it happen. Law school doesn't work that way. It's, <laughs> it's graded on a curve. So a couple people make A's, a few people make B's, most make C's. Some people make D's. And if you try really, really hard in law school, you can make an F, you know, <laughs> most people get C's and B's. That's how it's so goes. average. Wow. You can study. So me and Abra, we're studying like 10, 12, 13 hours a day. Like we're going in just trying to learn this. And at the end of the semester, after all the studying that I did, because in law school, there's only one test at the end. There's no homework assignments, no pop quizzes. There's just one test at the end of the For year. Sure. At the end of the semester, I made, um, I made straight B's, straight B's and one A, something like that. It it made very similar scores. That crushed my soul because I was like, man, I put in so much work and this is what I got. So the second semester, I played it a little bit smarter. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I'm not going to put in that type of work. What I'm going to do is I'm, 
I'm going to work smarter. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to study for the exam, not study for the course. And, um, you know, played more basketball, played more <laughs> golf, chilled more. Um, and there are these things in, in law school outlines are, are like gold. So oh. find outlines from previous students from previous courses, just working smarter. Um, and then at the end of the semester, I got the exact same grade. Like that Eric shit is like, it just, it just fucks up your, the, the, I think it doesn't, it doesn't show like how hard you worked. It doesn't factor. Like at that point, like law school was just fucking, (laughs) they don't, they're giving everyone the same grade. Um, and it's hard to overachieve and get that a. It's very, very difficult. Only a few. Everyone's so competitive. Most people are just getting B's and C's. Um, But once I realized that, I just kind of like, I I put more work into networking than school. (sighs) You were able to work the system. All of you students out there, (laughs) definitely homework is important. Get your homework done. Get the best grade you can. Go for the A. But you have to spend just as much time or even more time networking Facts. while you're in school if you want to work somewhere go to the company's website look people up see if you have a connection to anyone mm-hmm. with facebook and instagram now like dming people sliding into people's dms that's not just for you know dating that's for like it's for networking yep. networking business relationships absolutely um and i was really good at that when i when i was in law school because mm-hmm. i knew that most of the kids at Penn State stay in Pennsylvania or the, or the New York tri-state oh, area. Oh, they don't, they don't, North they don't go out. I see. You know, I'm from Atlanta. My family's here. Uh, I was always going to come back. So it was important for me to just start, you know, messaging firms and things like that. Um, and that's how I got my internships. That's how I got my summer associate position, just getting to know people. Um, and that really helped me because when I started my career, yeah, you're, it's, you're always going to start fresh. Uh, you're always going to be the new kid, but if you have some connection to people, that's better than walking into a room without knowing anybody. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So get your networking game on. You'd be surprised how many people can get jobs from networking. I, I actually, I like it when people uh, contact me. Raymond, really? you, you, you slid into my DMs. Uh, hey, hey, audience, if you guys don't know, I slid into DMs too. Yes, I was that bitch that slid into that DMs. Is, yeah. I when I see something like that. And obviously the person's like, you know, their agenda matters. Of course. Uh, but if it's a sincere, genuine like message and this desire to have an actual relationship with me, I think that's an issue. I consider that to be initiative. And when I see someone with initiative, I want to, I want to get to know that person. I want to have a relationship with people sure. um, who want to do something about their situation. Um, because I know that that was me 10 years ago. <laughs> writing emails to everyone and anyone that I could think of no doubt. Um, that would talk to me. So I immediately think of those times. Um, I have a mentor now. I'm not going to mention his name because I don't want to like. Yeah, put him on blast. No doubt. Out or anything. For sure. Uh, but he's a really big deal here in Atlanta. And I remember I Facebook messaged him. Um, and he was like, hey, come by my office. And I went to his office and he took me around. He introduced me to all these people. We had lunch. We spent the whole day together. And I, I was just like, yo, why are you spending all this time with me? Yeah. He said to me, we'll never leave me. And it will always be this way. Um, he was like, Eddie, I had a mentor that I reached out to. Um, and he mentored me. And I asked him the same question. He told me, 
I never seek out mentorship. I never look for someone to mentor. Uh, but when someone seeks me out for mentorship, I consider that to be like a compliment and honor. And so if they're seeking me out and they think that I have something to provide and I can't, I'm going to, I'm going to provide that mentorship. So I'm the exact same way when people hit me up, as long as it's not some like bogus bullshit, trying to sell me something <laughs> or whatever it is, no doubt. it's a genuine, authentic, like desire to get to know me. I'm the exact same way. I will never turn down um, the opportunity to, to mentor someone because awesome. of that, because that moment was huge for me. And he was a, he had a real big impact in my life. Let me know like, Hey, this is how you do things. This is how you act. This is yeah. how you get shit done. Um, and so for him to say that to me, that stuck with me. And so moving forward, uh, I was the exact same way. So when you, when you contacted me, yeah. I could tell that you, there was, you're being very genuine. Thank you. Um, so I was like, all right, let's do this. So, yeah, no, seriously, thank you, Eddie Young, again, like for even giving me the time, man. Absolute blessing, like no joke. Um, yeah, so like we spoke about like your college years and whatnot. Like, then what? What was like kind of like that decision for you to become a lawyer? Was it just like the to secure the bag, or was it kind of like like what yeah, was? You know what I mean, because you went from question, creative, man. right? You were um, a creative so. person, right? First. My dad pushed it on me a lot. Oh, okay. He was like, you should be a lawyer. And I was like, no, I want to I wanna be a writer. You know, and he was like, <laughs> we're having that kind of like beef. Conflict, yeah. Um, so I always thought, okay, if I can, if I can show myself that I can write, yeah. then I'm going to pursue this because this is good. Um, and so when I was at Emory, Emory, I think it might be the top program for creative writing. I think at, when I was there, it was. Wow. We had a we had a woman by the name a poet by the name of Natasha Tretheway. Um She was my mentor, my professor, mm-hmm. and she was the America's poet laureate at the time. Oh, sh- huge honor! And she was really pushing me and was like, "Eddie, you you got the juice. You need to go get your master's in fine arts." So I was really prepared to do that. But in the back of my mind, mm-hmm. always was, "Hey, you know." Law school is always an option because that's the beautiful thing about law is they don't, law school doesn't care what your um, undergraduate study is. You can study whatever you want. You can still get into law school as long as you do well and Mm -hmm. then you do well in the LSAT, LSAT. you should get in. So that was always in the back of my mind. But I really thought that I had given up on law until I met my wife. (sighs) And that's another big thing to understand is like, don't live your life to become a job. (laughs) that's just dumb facts and it's really hard to you know when you're when you're in college or when you're in high school you're like i want to be this i want to be that you're going to become whatever it is that you want to be and you're going to quickly realize like what you do as a job is not going to define who you are it really doesn't um so that's why why I went for law was really to be with my wife. You know, Damn, that's, that's, that's how that that's how that happened. If I didn't meet my wife, I would I'm sure I would have went to get my master's in fine arts and just pursued that and write, maybe become a professor. Um follow you know, like in your father's selfish path. artist type of lifestyle. <laughs> I was ready for that. Damn man. And Young, if you don't mind me ask kind of a personal question, right? How the hell did you know that April was the one? Like yeah, I mean, yeah. like that was quick. And then you straight up, you know, did that compromise. You approach like 
That's yeah. That was quick. Um, how did I know that? It's uh, you man. can get bitches. I mean, I like we talked about that. So it's like, how did you settle? <laughs> essentially, not saying hey, no. April's amazing. If y'all see it, like the YouTube, <laughs> like y'all need to see. Like you want to talk about a champ, like a trooper. Wow, like she's awesome. Like your fan, but yeah, no. Please, if you can get into that, you don't so mind. So April, man. Um, I think a lot of people, I kind of, I got a chip on my shoulder. I always feel like people think I can't do something. Or I always feel like I want to prove people wrong. Um, April, for whatever reason, like she just always believed in me from since we were friends. Um, uh, and she really looked up to me a lot. I think this is really bad. I, I taught her how to smoke cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> when she was like, when she was 18, I'm three years older than her. So. Uh, uh, uh. Um, I taught her how to smoke cigarettes. Um, oh, jeez! You know, we partied a lot together. What a love story! She just really looked up to me, and she just always thought, like, "Man, Eddie's going to do what he says he's going to do." Mm. Um, that's when we were friends. Uh, but then when we started, it was weird because in college, I was her wingman, and she was my wingman. She'd help me. Oh shit! You guys were friends like friends that. If I was interested in her friends, and I would try to introduce like you know, better type of guys to her. Like, Hey, this is a future doctor. We did a lot of that. Our first couple of years. Oh, at school. Shoot. People would always ask us like, why don't you guys date? Cause we were always hanging out. She lived like a floor or two above me. And so I was, all, we were always hanging out. What? We're like, nah, we're just friends. We're just friends. Um, but one day, you know, one drunken night out and then things <laughs> changed. And I saw a huge change after that too. Like once we became romantic, like this person really took care of me. She fed me. Um, Damn. she always fed me actually, even before we were dating. But once we started dating, it was like, she really took care of me. Yeah. She always wanted to make sure I was good. I never really had a girl like, um, you know, try to take care of me. I always thought it was my job to take care of the girl. Right. Of course. Uh, but I saw it the other way around, but also just, man, she's so ambitious herself. Like I know I took her away from her dream of becoming a doctor. Yeah. What the, f like. Watching someone study as hard as she's like, so when I went to college, I set up my schedule so I didn't have the class until noon. Mm. You know, April, she was an 8 a.m. class type of person. <laughs> and we go out party hard every night, and then she was still able to go like, next morning, going to class, <laughs> doing her thing, you know, and she like, and she's got like this thing where like, she won't just like roll out of bed and go to class. She like gets up and she gets ready. She showers like damn face on, you know, everything proper clothes on styles, puts, puts her clothes <laughs> on stylish. And then she gets ready and she's ready for the day. And I remember watching her and just being like, man, that's really incredible. Like the work ethic, her drive, she's beautiful. She's everything I ever wanted. Um, and I just, I just knew like, it was just this feeling like this is something that I shouldn't let go. Cause I dated other girls before and it was uh, like, uh. okay, like when they come to an end, it comes to an end. But this one, I, I really was like, man, if this ended, you know, just because we went to different schools, like how stupid am I going to feel about that? And so, you know, I just held on and she was, she was good with it. I think another thing that like made me and April work really well together is just she's just always down for what I want to do. Like whatever she like with the law school, that was my idea. She was like, let's do it. You know, I didn't have to like convince her because I would have felt bad if I had to be like, come on, let's just yeah, do this. That's Forget. what you would but think would happen. She was just like, bet, let's go. Fuck. I'd rather be with you than go to med school anyways. 
So like that. Amen. You know, uh, That's love right starting there. Starting the law firm, you know, yeah, she first she wanted a house, but when I explained it to her, she wasn't like, oh, mm. giving me a hard time about yeah. it. She was like, Support okay, let's do it. And she helped me. She actually, she had a law degree, so we started it together. I kicked her out ultimately because I don't want to. <laughs> It was hard. It's hard working with your wife. Oh, man, I bet. She helped me. Once it started getting rolling, I was like, okay, you go do your thing now. Mm. But uh, she's just she's just so down. She's always down to do whatever it takes uh, for us, you know, to make it to the next level. I never had any issues with her. Um, she's like the – she's the best wife ever. She cooks um, delicious meals. Uh, my house feels clean, fresh. All She tastes a great mom. Um, she doesn't spend money, which I, I think I'm, I'm the money burner. <laughs> um, and man, she's just like so supportive, man. I feel like sometimes I, she thinks I'm like Justin Bieber or something. I'm really, really blessed. What? Like, wow, this girl is like. They have goals, young goals right hardcore. there. <laughs> You're right or die. Yeah. I'm a groupie fan, but, uh, that's. I don't know. And we were really good friends too. I think that's really what it was. Like when we started, I can mm. tell you like on my end, I never had any intention um, to date her. Yeah. We were literally just really good friends. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's what, I think that's what helped us with our relationship because we were friends first and we knew each other. We kind of like have a sense of what we like, what mm. we don't like. Um, and so then when we became like more romantic, I think it was much like a, it was like a really easy transition. Yeah, smooth transition, right? It was a trooper, man. When I was building my practice, it was, a, man. She deserves so much credit in the world because there's so many late nights, um, going out to dinners, uh, you know, networking events, you know, coming home really late at night every night for like years, honestly, to like get myself established. Yeah, and. She never once gave me any grief, like, spend time with me. You're not spending enough time with me. You got to do this. You got to yeah, do that. Yeah. She knew, like, hey, like, I'm doing something for us. And she had full faith in that. Um, and she'd, she had always been that way. And it's really cool now because um, we're, still, we're still growing. We're still trying to, you know, uh, become better and better every day. But we're in a much more comfortable position now. And April knows that had she been – more too clingy or um, not allowing me to make calculated risks that uh, we might not be in the situation that we're in right now. I see a lot of, um, you know, God, I hope not too many of my friends see this, but I've seen <laughs> friends with wives who like count the pennies in their bank account, oh, things like that, where the money comes in and damn. they're like, yo, did you go to Starbucks three times this week? <laughs> I've seen things like that. Yeah. And, uh, that's not how you, you can't start a business that way. Not at all. Uh, business is, uh, you, you got to spend money to make money. Absolutely. So, I mean, there are times where we're spending like, for like a networking event, I'm spending like five, six, seven. I think I've even spent up to like $10,000 uh, for like networking events, you know? Um, and we don't know how that networking event's going to go. We don't know if it's going to come back and it's a gamble um, essentially almost. Yeah. Well, like just because we set something up like this doesn't mean people are going to recognize me or, uh, have send clients to me or refer mm -hmm. clients to me. There's no way to know, but she never, man, I don't even, 
know if she knows the password to our bank account, to be honest <laughs> with you, man. That's crazy. She really just entrusted all on you. She huh? trusts me with everything. So Damn. Um, I think that's really what it boils down to. And with her trusting me as much as she trusts me, I feel a huge sense of obligation to her. Uh, you know, for sure. Keeps you in check. Yeah. You know, not fuck her over, to not fuck our family over, yeah. to make sure that you know you guys are good when i do something that there is that it serves a purpose no doubt and i'm sure it was hard for her at first you know like why are you spending that money here like um, it's got to be uh <laughs> that that is a lot of money for anybody at any time yeah not that time yeah and i'm sure the thoughts crossed her mind but she never uh vocalized it to me or anything like that and she let me do my thing um her Respect. letting me be me to get this thing off the ground is really what it took for it's it to happen. Because awesome. if you are married to the wrong person who's like, no, you got to save, 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 which is important. Don't yeah. get me wrong. Saving, you got to save money. Saving money is important. But when you're starting a business, saving money doesn't like. It's not going to make you money. It's not going to make you money. No, exactly. No. no doubt. Wow. That Okay. So first of all, your wife is amazing. Please check out the channel which we will get into like because you guys will see how dope she is but um if you don't mind me asking young if we can backtrack as well like growing up then what was kind of like so we know you were super diligent super smart kid like if you you had that mindset of like why not me right but was there kind of like a moral compass or like religion or like faith that had to do like how was that like throughout your life like you know i'm sure you grew yeah, up in the church right? right i grew up in like um christian school catholic school <laughs> yeah um but i was kind of in a in a divided house too so mm. my dad is scientist he's not into god <sighs> yeah, at all whatsoever for sure um, my mom's side is more so um so i really feel like my family allowed me to choose oh you know i think a lot of a lot of kids like you just have to go to church <laughs> yeah just thrown on us yeah <laughs> But, you know, I started in kindergarten and, and like in a Christian school. And so once you start to learn about God early on, I think it just kind of, it, it stays with you. Yeah. Um, it made sense to me. Um, and so I was proud to be Christian. Um, but it's very, it's been a very challenging <laughs> journey being Christian for sure. <sighs> because... Um, I'm really, I can say like loud and proud right now. I'm Christian. Yeah. And, I've, and that's it. No period. doubt. But it wasn't always that way. And there was times where I felt ashamed or wasn't sure if I was Christian, not because of me, mm. but because of, you know, outside. Exactly. You know, I think church really made me feel like I wasn't Christian. <sighs> the irony. And that's like that your formative age, you know, like middle school, high school, and they're like making it seem like I'm I'm not like them. So, and I could feel that. I can sense that. Like, oh, they don't really see me as part of this group. So outcasting you almost. Yeah. And I've tried church on so many different, so many different times. Even when I, uh, even now, I'm still looking for a church. You know. Wow. But I've just been. Uh, people think I think people come are quick to judge me. Um, and I get that. I embrace that because I'm me. Um, you can't just go around and, and just curse and talk the way you talk and, you know, and act not the expect, way I act yeah. and not have some people kind Critique. of like, Oh, what's that kid's a little bit different. That kid's a little bit strange or weird or, you know, unique, whatever mm. it is. So I understood that, you know, 
I was putting eyes on me. Um, but it, I just, I don't know. As a Christian, I've always been like, hey, like, let's all make this work together. Let's all figure out a way to be, you know, let's be inclusive. Let's togetherness. All of that to me really matters. Yeah. And it's so hard because religion itself is just so divisive, like inherently. <laughs> so you know? sensitive to Catholic, Muslim, <laughs> Buddhist. And um, I'm not the type of person to be like, that's the right way. That's yeah, the wrong way. Absolutely. And you have some Christian people who are just like, if you can't say, Eddie, that being a Muslim is wrong or being a Buddhist is not the right way, then you aren't truly Christian. I have people will say that to me, but I can't tell people that. Does that make me not Christian? It made me question, like, am I Christian? If I can't say that, yeah. those negative things about other people, yeah. does that mean I'm not Christian? And there was a part of me where I was like, maybe I'm not. But now I'm confident. I know who I am. I am Christian. Amen. I, don't have to, I don't have to shit on anybody. I don't have to divide <laughs> anyone. Um, no you know, I, I feel like, the only person that really knows what you're up to is God. Right? Amen. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Nobody else knows. Facts. So act accordingly and you and God know what's up. <laughs> that, Amen. Was, that was awesome. You could man. act like an angel, you know, 23 hours out of the day, but that one hour, hour. you're doing something that's not supposed to be doing something like heinous or evil. He knows. What does it matter? You know? It doesn't matter. And so. That's one thing I really wish that, you know, it's another reason I wanted to come on your podcast is just, mm. is just to give uh, people like me a voice. Please, yeah. Being Christian, um, but also not fit, fitting that typical mode. Yes, absolutely. And not that there's anything wrong with, I guess, the, the typical mode. Yeah. Uh, it's fine. I don't have an issue with that, but... I guess the issue that I do have, I wish there could be like an attitude adjustment amongst all of us as Christians. Mm. It's just like, hey, let's let's be more welcoming. Let's <laughs> treat it less like a business. You know? Which it is. Why right? are there? Why, we have a we have a uh, a road in Duluth, Georgia, in K Town called Meadow Church Road, and on Meadow Church Road, uh, I think there's like 10, 15 churches on that road. Multiple Korean what? churches. Right? Just on not, one block. Not just Korean churches, all, all different types. Why? <laughs> what's what's the purpose of that? that unless it's, it's business. Yeah, no. Oh, my goodness. Uh, it, really, that whole block is just straight the up. The whole a, street is just one church after another church after another church. And it's called Meadow Church. Meadow I don't know church if that was on road. purpose or what. But when I see something like that, yeah. it's like, so basically they're just building up walls. They're neighbors, but they're building up these walls. Invisible walls, yeah. We never get to meet each other. We never know each other. Um, and I don't really feel like that's that's a core Christian value, you know? No. And I know I'm thinking of a lot of things that, you know, logistically are, are difficult to, to coordinate. Yeah. Um, Who's the pastor? Congregation, tithing. Where you? I know there's a business aspect to a church. Yeah. There has to be you politics, know? social um, politics. Yeah, but uh, I I just don't agree with it. I, so I left church because I felt like an outsider. I'd go there, and as much as I try to be like, hey, I'm like you guys. Yeah, um, and I made some really deep, meaningful relationship relationships mm -hmm. at church i'm still friends with to this day that i still hang with that i still consider it's awesome you know like that mm -hmm. 
But ultimately when I'm feeling like the pastor is like not cool with me, like almost like a sense of like, why is he here when he's causing a disruption, you know? <laughs> that judgment. I don't want to cause a disruption. You know what they told me the first time I was there? So I love playing basketball. I love to hoop, man. I've been hooping ever since. I love, we got a hoop. Oh my goodness. Yeah, for sure. Love to hoop, man. Uh-huh. So Korean churches, there's always a <laughs> basketball court. So I get there, I'm like, hey, oh, you man. guys, you guys have a youth team? Because I would love to help the youth team play basketball. Yeah. The pastor looks at me, he's like, well, you know, we kind of have to get to know you. Don't take this the wrong way, but we don't know you. And you could be a child stranger. What the fuck? Shut the fuck? Are you serious, bro? You're kidding. I, and I was like, okay, I, I can I can fully respect that. And, and, and in a way I do, you know, because you're right. I am a stranger, but that's not how I would have approached it. You not the I mean? first that's, that's not, not the I first comment i can see protecting your youth very important you don't know me but not that response like though that, i mean you're already putting up your your guard and your fence and already letting me know like i'm not welcome i stayed as long as i did at that church because of the friendships that i've made damn you still but, stayed after that too Shit. well ultimately like, try to make I, it work i felt unwanted and i was like all right if they don't want me then let me bounce out of here you know damn and another thing that's really hard about church, I think, is uh, especially for me now. Yeah. Uh, tithing is important. Oh. You go to church, you got to tithe. Okay. Yep, ten percent. Yep. Um, and I'm not saying because it's in the Bible or it's not in the Bible and all of that. You know, you could take it for how you want. Yeah. But when you go to church, you're in a community. Okay. Uh, and when you're part of a community, like you, you got to help support that community. Yeah. You know, that's what tithing is about. Uh, and I'm not saying every church is like this, but I will tell you that I've definitely had some circumstances where I felt like uh, churches wanted me because they they saw that, okay, this could, you know, increase the tithe. The fi- oh, Perhaps yeah. I'm being judgmental on my end. No, 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 no not at all. could be. Not at all. But I can't help but, but feel that way because it's like, man, when I had nothing, I could be a child molester, right? But now that you have something. Now that I have some success and people put a little respect on my name, now it's like, oh, yeah, you know, come here, do this. Welcome, do whatever you want. And here's the keys. It's tough. It's it's really, really (sighs) tough. And I don't want to say that they have a, a hidden agenda, you know. But I can't help but feel a little strange. Like, what? What's the difference between me back then and, and now? Me now, um, and when I think, like, man, there's a lot of like some like superficial judgments that's happening, you know, uh, when when you walk into church, and it really just that part really hurts me. And I'm I, I don't even know how I'm going to handle Stella with with church because I grew up in church. I went to Christian schools. I think I think it's important. I think yeah, religion is important. Mm-hmm. And but at the same time, uh, I don't want her to feel what like an felt. outsider. Yeah. You know, it's such a difficult line to walk, there, and it's not one way or the other way. Absolutely, there's no one answer, right? I'm I'm still looking for that church that um, I can really just like jump into mm. that you know i can help i think probably the church that, that i that i idyllically what i would like to happen is 
it's a young pastor, someone just getting started, yeah. you know, no money, they need resources, they need help. Like, I think that's the type of church that might be best suited for someone like me to be a part of rather than some like Korean mega church or mm. mega church that's already established. established yeah. Thing going on. Yeah. That might be your um, calling. Yeah, for sure. Cause I, I just, I don't want to feel weird when I'm at church, you know, Not at I don't want to feel like, man, am I in there? Do these people like me? Should I be <laughs> the here? Last am I place. in the wrong place? If you feel like that at church, then, then you shouldn't be there. It, Actually, what ultimately made me leave the last church I was at was mm -hmm. I had a really good friend, and uh, I saw how they treated. She wasn't Korean. Oh man! I saw how they treated her, and eventually they did what they did to me to her. She didn't feel welcome. She stopped going, um, and she was just she's the sweetest person. She's one of my one of my best friends to this day. Yeah. And when I saw that, it was just like, all right, I'm I'm out of here. I'm not doing this anymore. And it's been a journey. I'm still looking for that church. But I don't want to really, I don't want to shit on church because I know there's good churches. Oh, not at all. Yeah, not at all. Just there. you personally. Yeah, your experience. Uh, but my experience, I've definitely felt like an outsider. I've definitely felt like maybe I'm not Christian because of church. But I'm, I'm sure of myself now. I know who I am 1,000%. And... Uh, church we're gonna find one we're gonna get there amen brother amen amen praying for that and looking forward to that um i i absolutely see you pioneering some sort of like establishing or supporting in that way you know like a young pastor a young church trying to up and coming right that just needs or finding that community right yeah um but yeah definitely gonna pray for you to find that community um but yeah that. that's awesome that like <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of awesome because it's not common for a lot of people, you know, to leave the church physically and then be even more established within their faith. Does that make mm -hmm. kind of sense, Young? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, I like, never thought about it that way. Yeah. I never thought about it that way. But uh -huh. yeah, probably not. Probably when you leave church, you feel less. Right. Yeah. Like less connected or like less like growth, right? Or like less ability to grow, right? In yeah. your faith. So like, I, I find it... F I, I, I feel like the isolation, if anything, please, like I, I'm speaking from myself personally, like isolation, if anything, helped me lean or look to him more or like seek him more. Does that kind of make sense? Or like acknowledge him even more? Yeah. You know, what will really make you acknowledge God is when things are going really bad. Isn't that funny? <laughs> when things are going really bad is when you talk to God the most. Amen. <laughs> Oh man! When things are going well, you might forget to pray. But when things are going bad, um, we talk to him a lot. And uh, when I first started my practice, uh, I'm embarrassed to say, but I was talking to him like way more than I am now. Uh, <laughs> but that's what hey, he he was there for me big time. There's no way I'm supposed to. Um, there's no way I was supposed to find the success that I have. You know, I was telling you how I was growing up. Yeah. I was not working towards being here. That's for sure. Mm. You know, when I started my practice, did not, it looked pretty bleak. It was during an economic recession. <laughs> I had no real skill set, no experience. Uh, odds were totally stacked against me yeah. to be successful. And for me to be where I am at now and to have the established firm that I do, and, you know, find the success that I have. If I were to just say, oh, I did that on my own, 
I don't know. <laughs> I just, I, I don't see it that way. There's just no way. I had to have help. And I know like when I was praying to God, he was there for me. Uh, and it sounds corny. I get it. People uh, are gonna be like, that's I corny. That's humility. That's and you call it whatever you want to call it. But, I, you know, like I said, the only, only person that knows the relationship with you and God is you and God. That's it. And I know my relationship. I know what happened. I know what I asked for. I know what he gave me. Um, and now it's my job uh, to just carry it even further. Awesome. But, yeah. awesome. And isolation is when you when you when you see God the most is when you're by yourself for sure. For sure. No, I, Hyung, like I'm glad that you're still in that process of seeking. You know what I mean? Like you're still searching and whatnot. Um, but if you don't mind, like you said, like God has blessed you with these things that you've, you guys have discussed in your multiple meetings back in the day. Right. Um, but what then, if you don't mind me asking, is that next step for you right now? Cause young, you are in a good place, right? But there's still challenges. There's still growth. You still have that hunger to expand and do more things. I'm sure. Right. We'd even get into the YouTube channel, right. Um, what you're doing with that and whatnot. Um, so yeah, what is that next pivot for you? Um, at this point, young. All right. So that's a great question. Mm -hmm. Number one, um, my firm, my business, that's my number one priority yeah. when it comes to work. Uh, and I wake up every day thinking I go to sleep and I wake up every day thinking this could all go away. One mistake and this could all be done. And yeah. so I'm stressed out and I'm always working to make sure that it, that it doesn't go away. Yeah. Um, because the moment that I let up, there is someone just like me who's out there grinding 24 seven out trying to outwork me. And if I let him outwork me, then he's going to, he's going to pass me. He's going to get past me. And that's not, that's not why I started this thing. My personal goal is I want the best law firm. You know, we're Korean. We were raised, if you're going to do something, you do the very best at it. Um, and that's my goal. So you'll see, uh, I'm not sure how LA is, but here in Atlanta, mm -hmm. most of the law firms are um, owned by your typical white, you know, older male. Mm -hmm. All the popular ones, all the well-known, recognized ones are. Yeah. Uh, I think there's a I think there's a spot for me uh, for me to come in Amen. and and position my firm to be the best firm here in Atlanta. Absolutely. Uh, and the way we're going to do that is just like I was telling you before in the podcast, like working every file like it's a million dollar case, giving everyone a five star experience. You know, you look us up anywhere on the internet. Uh, you look us up anywhere, ask about us anywhere, talk to anybody about us. You won't hear one bad thing about us. Yeah, I, and and yeah. that's kind of crazy to me because it's hard to be perfect. I tell my guys all the time, I tell my team like, Hey, it's impossible. It's impossible to be perfect. Yeah. But we're going to try to be perfect. Mm. And to this point we've maintained that. Um, so what I hope is uh, a natural growth. I'm not like, I don't have like this plan to like, expand and grow and do this yeah. but it's just a natural take it day by day week by week month by month just keep working hard and the growth naturally occurs i didn't like plan all of this out it's all of this right now is a byproduct of all the hard work of the last 10 years so for the next 10 years we're going to do a lot of hard work and we're going to see you know how far we can get this thing but my 
my like ultimate goal. Um, it's not money. It's not have, how many, how much money I have in my bank mm-hmm. account, what kind of car I drive, where I live. Like, it's not that for me, it's like legacy. I want to establish the gold standard for personal injury law in Atlanta. I want Kim law. When do you get hurt? Car accident, malpractice, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. The first thing that people think of is the Kim law brand, not even me, like Edward Kim, yeah, but, but just Kim the brand. Law as a brand, yeah. like this is where we go. That's the gold standard. And then we become like an institution of Atlanta. You know? <laughs> our firms like that here, you know, and they sponsor the Hawks and they, they sponsor the Falcons. Yeah. I'm like, and when I'm sitting there, I'm s- sitting at the games and I'm just like, man, there is no reason why that can't be us. Amen. So, you know, that's, we're just going to work hard every day, do what we can every single day. And then if we're doing that in 10 years, we should see, we should see growth and it, it should be natural. You know, that's what I, it's kind of what I tell my team too. It's like, Hey, there's only so many hours in the day. There's only so much we can do. Let's just make sure that, you know, in that eight hours that you're here, make sure that you get that full eight hours mm. in because then the next day you're going to be better at what you, you're going to be better. Mm. Uh, you're going to have more experience and just, concentrate on what you're doing deliver for the clients if we do that every single day we meet our daily goals then we'll meet our weekly goals uh, if we meet our weekly goals we meet our monthly goals we meet our monthly goals we meet our quarterly goals we meet our quarterly goals we meet our annual goals we meet our balance. annual goals and that's how we get growth no doubt so that consistency so right? day by day thing it's not like in this month we're going to do this it's a it's literally you cannot take a day off every single day you got to get through your goals <sighs> jeez then first of all, thank you so much. That's just inspiration enough that like you at your stage in life, right? Compared to most people are like, you know, well, most people would see it as successful, right? But like having that hunger, maintaining that hunger, right? That drive, right? What is that inspiration for Mr. Kim that like that he has that feeling of, oh, that obligation of like, oh, I can't fuck this up. Like, what is that drive, that hunger? Like, like what is that MJ in you that like you know makes you want to seek and you know not settle you know what i'm saying or be complacent that's a great question man yeah. i haven't really thought about that like, um, so i'll just kind of think out loud with yeah, you right now. it's a really great question i think there's a couple of things number one i think it's just the way i was raised you know mm. uh, i want to you know my dad died and he died when we had beef <sighs> and a big part of me that wants to make him proud even yeah. you know even though he can't see it himself, there's a part where I, I would just want to be like, I want to be able to look at my dad's photographs and be like, Hey, you know, I know we left on bad terms, but like I turned it around. I'm mm-hmm. taking care of mom. I'm taking care of and it like, you have nothing to worry about. Like I got it. There's definitely some of that. Yeah. Um, and I think there's just some, some of it's just like inherent. Like I just want to be the best at what I do. Like I don't, I don't like, I've always been go big or go home. Like there's no point in starting a business if it's not going to be the biggest business. Just, you know, why stress yourself out for that? You know, just, if you're not going to try to be the best, why not? So there's some of that in me. And then, you know, I'm not going to lie. There's a big, big chunk of it is I don't want to give any of my doubters the pleasure of watching me fail. And I hate to admit that, you know, because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm letting people know that, you know, I, I let the haters, you know, yep. live in my mind, but it's true. I don't want to see any of my, I don't want to see my 
I don't want to see my haters like rejoice in my demise. Um, and I enjoy like, I enjoy proving people wrong. Yeah. You know, the best feeling for me was like, I had some people around my age that were really doubting me, um, thinking that I wasn't going to make it and they got hurt in a car accident and they could have went anywhere. Yeah. They could have went anywhere, uh -huh. but they called me. <laughs> Why? Because at the end of the day, they know that I'm going to deliver. Damn. And when it comes to money, getting compensated, you don't fuck around with that. <laughs> you don't, you don't, you don't like not come to me just because you don't like me. Uh -uh. If I'm going to make you money, then that's where you want to go. Right. Yep, it doesn't matter. What the relationship, we could have a totally transactional, you know, relationship, no emotion connected whatsoever, but they know that I'm going to deliver. <sighs> and so when I started seeing like my doubters come, ask me to represent them. Yeah. That's why I was like, okay, like, you know, Damn. I'm proving them wrong. And that I know you. that they know, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> that feels good. I and bet. so just proving people wrong is a huge part of it. Having that chip on my shoulder uh, and just, man, if my firm fails and I saw like my competition, just like rejoice or all the people that thought that I wasn't going to make it just kind of feel validated. I can't, I couldn't, I don't think I can live with myself like that. Damn. So for me, it's just got to keep pushing. It's just natural, man. I think it's not just one thing or the other thing. It's yeah. a combination of things that just propels me to, to keep pushing. Um, sure. And if I wasn't, I don't know what I would be doing, honestly. I don't know. Sure. But this is, this is the path I'm on. This is a path that makes me happy. It's where I'm, I'm passionate about it. I'm good at what I do. Yeah. So let's just keep going. Let's just see how big we can get this thing. That's fucking awesome. I mean, I mean, first of all, thank you for that answer. And like, please tell me if I'm wrong, but it seems like it really stems from like your relationship with your dad. Um, like it, it really that almost like you said, that father son relationship where we never feel like we can be good enough. Right. For their standards or whatnot. Yeah. Right. Uh, that's a huge part of it. You know, yeah. um, and my dad took really good care of us. Yeah, so we never had to that. worry about mm -hmm. anything. I didn't like, I didn't, gr I grew up in a really nice neighborhood, went to great schools, mm -hmm. uh, and he was a, like a great provider. Yeah. Um, and I saw that and I wanted to make sure that I was also, you know, a great provider. You yeah. Know, and I can continue on that, that tradition that my dad showed me, man, my dad came from a really tough situation. This is a crazy story. Mm. So. My grandpa is from North Korea and I don't know the timeline that well. I don't know Korean history too well, mm -hmm. but there was a point where I guess it was possible for North Koreans to escape to South Korea before like that division became yep. like unit. Mm -hmm. And he had told his family, like, we got to get out of here. Yeah. And his parents, his brothers, sisters, everyone, they're like, no, we're staying. And he was like, no, we got to go. And they're like, we're staying. He was like, if you're staying, I'm going. And he like swam across the river with nothing. Uh, came to what's now South Korea. Yeah. And he would uh, sweep up like, you know, the, the alleyways where the businesses were for like change and things like that. Um, and he eventually like got him, put himself through school. Yeah. Um, and he started working at a bank called uh, Hana Une. It's like, uh, 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 yeah, one bank, yeah. And he worked his way all the way up to become the vice president of that bank. Damn. And he became a really, really big deal. 
Um, and so, you know, that pressure was put on my dad. Yeah. You know, and so, and then my dad put that pressure on me. Yeah, naturally. Right? Um, I'm scared to be a dad to a son, honestly. <laughs> That's how I was going <laughs> to get to that. But Stella as a daughter, I don't, I think I'll be tough on Stella. I do. I think I'll be tough on her too, but I th- it's just a different relationship between, between a daughter and a son. Yeah. I do want a son. Hopefully that'll happen in the near future. We'll yeah, see. No doubt. Um, for I, that. I, I, I fear for my son. We'll see what happens to him. Oh, um, grace and mercy. On a pressure to live up to these unrealistic expectations. Yeah. I mean, if my dad told me when I was younger, like, Eddie, you're going to have to start a law firm from scratch. And you're going to have to have to compete with some of the, the best law firms in Atlanta. And I expect you to get that done, you know, within five years. <sighs> so, who could who couldn't meet those expectations, you know? It's not possible. Yeah. But what you do is... You just show by example. My dad worked, worked, worked. He didn't come home till 10 o'clock every night, <sighs> every single night. Uh, and I saw that with my own eyes and yeah. watched him put in work. Um, and that let me know, like, hey, if you want to get somewhere, you want to be the best at what you do. My dad was the best at what he did. Um, if you want to you know, get to that point, you want everybody recruiting you, then there's only one way to, to get there, and that's by putting in work. There's no shortcut. You have to put in the work. Yeah. If you don't, you won't make it. Yeah, hard work pays off in the end, right? No matter what. Always. Yeah. In, in some way. You may work hard and you may not get paid anything, but you'll you'll earn experience. Yeah. There's maybe value there no matter a skill set. Mm. It'll come back to you, but you just got to keep working. No doubt. No doubt. For sure. Thank you for touching on that. And if you don't mind now, like transitioning to, uh, so we spoke on Kim Law, right? So why, why YouTube? Like why YouTube, young? Like you have this business, you this your baby essentially that you're you still want to grow, right? And it's it's busy as hell, like you said. It's hard work every day. But then to do YouTube on top of that, like people think, you know, they only see your clips, but they don't understand the back, you know, like the back work that goes into that. You know, what I mean, the behind the scenes, the setup, the editing, the filming, everything, right? The planning. So, why? so YouTube really works yeah. for me in the sense that the YouTube community is very DIY. You know, my law firm is DIY. Yeah. Uh, and people were telling me like, hey, you should vlog. I think your life might be interesting. I mean, huh. Some people, um, Eric Lee, actually, shout out Eric Lee. Okay. Um, he was like, you should, you should vlog. And so I started, but it was, it was, it was really tough, but the purpose of the vlog really was uh, to introduce myself to as many people as mm. I possibly could. Um, and here's the way I think of like marketing and advertising. I don't do YouTube to market, okay? Yeah. But this is the way I see it. It's like I don't have – my competitors are spending millions and millions of dollars a month on TV and radio for advertising to get their name out there. Um, And I see how, I see how law firms like to advertise. They like to do that. Have you been injured? Oh, call Jack the hammer. We're going to, we're going to get you paid this and that. Listen to that. We're going to get you the bag, whatever, you know, that, that kind of average it's it's nationwide. You have that kind of advertising. Um, I never wanted to approach it that way. The way I thought was the best way was to make a million friends, make a million friends real quality oh if you make a million real friends out of those million people (sighs) at least one of those people every day (laughs) is going to need you for something you know so 
Um, I started with Instagram, really trying to um, focus on that and grow that. Uh, and what I, I didn't do was say, hey, if you're hurt, call me. What I did was I invited people into my personal life. Yeah. This is who I am because I realized when I meet with clients and they sign up with me, mm. one, of the, one of the things that I realized people really like about me is they get along with me. They see eye to eye with me. No they, they don't see me as like, oh, this stuffy old lawyer that doesn't, they feel like, oh, I can relate to them. Yeah. And that connection is real from the beginning of the case to the end. And I'm, I'm still friends with tons of my clients. Um, so I thought YouTube and Instagram was a great way to invite people to see what I was like personally. And also, you know, throw in every now and then like, hey, I am a lawyer. Mm. So if you do need me, I'm here for you. No doubt. That's kind of the way I approached it. I just want to invite people into my life and, and get to know me. Um, as the years have gone by, like we definitely get it definitely helps with our marketing. People call us because of it. Mm -hmm. uh, but with YouTube, it's, I really have fun with it, man. I'm a huge YouTube, like, <laughs> I don't know when it happened, but somewhere along the lines, TV wasn't it for me. And, yeah. you know, uh, I was getting my content from the internet and obviously YouTube. For sure. And guys, that really, really inspired me. Um, David Dobrik, Logan Paul, Jake <laughs> Those guys, when I when I would watch their videos, yeah. I saw what they were doing was exactly what I was doing. But, <laughs> but they're content creators and I'm a lawyer. Yeah. But I could see that they're building and then, you know, they do collabs, which is essentially networking, yeah. right? Um, and I, I just felt I could relate to, you know, what they were trying to achieve, you know? When I look at David Dobrik, why is David Dobrik so, so popular? It's because we feel like we know him. Know him, yeah. We feel like we're we're like we know the vlog squad. You know, we know we know how Keith and Zane get when they drink. You know, we know how oh, Corinna is. Oh man. That like that relationship that he he shows us um is that's what I want to do with my YouTube channel. I want people to feel like, you know, they know who I am. Yeah, that vulnerability um, and transparency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, they really let me know, like, you know, what it entailed to, like, build uh -huh. you know, what David did. And I am thoroughly impressed by David Dobrik. Like, he he is the type of person that is scared every day that it might all go down, that he's working hard every day to make sure um, that his business does it. And he wants to stay ahead, you know. Um, and, he's, and he's a grinder. And he works hard. And when they share those stories about David with me, and I, and I could really relate to that. Um, and so that's why I think uh, that's why I think I do the YouTube is just I I like YouTube myself yeah and very DIY so it's very doable you can definitely do it it is tremendous work though it is <laughs> if you don't like it you're not going to do it because no. it's so much work Hell no. uh, shout out Glenn Kwan who does my editing oh uh, um, fire he's you know he's the guy <laughs> we, we started together you know he didn't even know how to uh, edit when we first started word. Dude, it's fire. He had like a guy that, that taught him who knew how to edit. Uh -huh. And they did make my first couple of videos together. But at some point, like me and Glenn, we just became a team, me and him. For sure. Uh, and he just, he knows my voice. He knows what I want said. Um, I really like when I shoot it, like Glenn's not, he's not uh, afraid to embarrass me. So if you get <laughs> my vlogs, there's some embarrassing. Y'all need a ch Oh my gosh, for sure. So, uh, <laughs> I, and I like that. That's 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 where the realness comes no in. Doubt. And 
it breaks the ice too. So oh, when people sure. find me through YouTube, um, they feel like they, they know me. Raymond, well, our first conversation, it yep. felt like, you know, you knew me. Straight right? up, straight up. Like, yeah. y'all, like, if you don't mind, like, quick shout out. Like, seriously, y'all need to check this out. Like, it is the most down to earth, hype beast, lawyer, family, every, like, there's no, there's no censorship. You know what I mean? You want a down to earth person, like a human being behind the camera who won't just hide your shit like respect him that's all i can say but yeah no please continue on like if you can give us a brief background of that of your channel so yeah we let's see with youtube um it i'm still trying to figure it out <laughs> it's it's hard so you'll notice like the first serial i think we called it the the Kim Law vlog. The Kim Law. Uh, it wasn't Kim Law TV. It was Kim Law vlogs or something like that. No, it started with Kim Law TV. Oh, Kim Law TV. There so we go. Yeah. It was like so. We're gonna, and um, it True started fan. there, and the episodes are much longer. And it was really hard to like create that type of content. I mean, my first episode was me winning forty thousand dollars in buying. Please talk. Oh my BMW, gosh. right? I'll post that here, but like you can't do that every week, man. <laughs> <laughs> you can't create content like that every week. Uh, it's hard to keep up with something like that, you know. Yeah. Just like highlights and highlights of your life. Um, and so I made a, we made a decision to, let's just turn it into like a daily vlog. You know? Yeah. Let's, let's put the mundane out there. Let's make just the mundane every day. Let's try to make that interesting. Yeah. And so we, we, we transitioned it to, from Kimwa TV to Kimwa Vlogs. And that's what we're on now. And I'm still working on it. I'm still trying to figure out. There's part of me that wants to buy a house for our... So our law firm, COVID, has changed everything. Yeah. Before, everything was face-to-face. -face. Clients uh -huh. don't want to... Um, client, clients want everything face-to-face, -face, shake your hand, look you in the of eye. Of course. But we had been embracing technology for a long time. My firm is young, so we've been using technology. We've been doing Zoom way before Zoom was a thing. Before the stock went up and crit, yeah, yeah, for sure. And then once COVID happened, we we're ready to go. We've been doing our consultations Damn. over Zoom. We can literally represent a client, and they never even set foot in our office. Word. Like that can actually happen. It happens often. Jeez. Um, it's that automated. We huh? still try to build that. It's harder to build that emotional connection with your clients because that first meeting is really important and the last meeting Absolutely. we shake their hand we celebrate we take pictures like that's a big day it's like a it's a memorable day no doubt. so uh we've definitely lost some of that with zoom but because of that and we're having less interaction i've got this kind of idea where i want to buy i want to buy a house i want to make like a kim law sway house or a kim law hype house <sighs> me and my employees we work in a house and we vlog the day we have a podcast uh room uh, we TikTok. I want to do all of that. Uh, I don't see why not. Uh, I kind of like uh, the way I would say is like Kim Law. Ultimately, we're a law firm. That's yeah, what we do. Yeah, uh, yeah. But we also want to be involved in other ancillary things, kind of like very much like Supreme. Supreme is a skate shop. You go there to buy skate. You, you go there to buy skate gear. Yeah, skate you know? gear. But what have they done? You know, they make dope merch. They make dope accessories. And now they become this, this whole other entity yeah. that's beyond just a skate shop, right? But at their core, they are a skate, skate shop. shop. I don't see why Kim Law has to be any different. Mm. At our core, we are a law firm. But if we're making dope merch and we're making cool things, we're, we're making content, like why can't Kim Law also, you know, have a media platform? Why no not? Doubt. Let's just see what happens. That's crazy. You know? well, I mean, the YouTube channel, it's hard to grow. <laughs> it's, you know, I'm, I'm not... 
I don't have the most clout on YouTube nowhere near, but I'm just having fun, working hard on it every day. And we'll see where we're at, you know, as, as time comes. And if, if we continue to gain a following people like you, Raymond, really connect with them, we get more people like you Absolutely. to really support us. Why can't Kimwa, um, you know, have its own media platform? Why not? So no, I'm always trying to think creatively and differently on, on how to approach owning a law firm. It doesn't just have to be the law firm. I mean, that's the core. That's what we do. But yeah. we all have varying interests. I have very talented people in my office that can do more than just what we do here. Absolutely. So I've always just, I don't try to close the door on anything or say, this is exactly what we're going to do. I just take it day by day. And as you should, because who could have predicted COVID? No way. What once in a lifetime. Man. Once in a lifetime. I might have like really like blown my business up that it was going to be some kind of virus. <laughs> but you guys were able to pivot in that way. And like you guys were ahead of the game. You said, like you said, we were ahead of the game. Yeah. But at the same time, you have to understand like most of my clientele are yeah. from people who are in a car accident. If everyone's working remotely and there's less traffic, less which traffic. there definitely is less traffic, uh, there's less car accidents. There's less car accidents. There's less, less clients for everyone. everyone. So it's like the real um, estate market inventory is low, right? For y'all yeah, inventory is low, but I will say this, if that's where the world goes, so be it. Uh, I think we're getting into a, a situation where we're going to have uh, autopilot uh, AI driving cars and they're going to be less car accidents because of AI. Then my job really becomes obsolete. I rather my job become obsolete and see become obsolete than watch 40 or 4.4 million people every year get injured in car accidents, 38,000 people a year dying, something like that in the That's U.S. Nuts. I'd rather see all those people healthy and safe. And Absolutely. Because think about it, driving a car is such a primitive form of transportation. <laughs> it's one level above a horse and a carriage. We should, by now, at this point by now, figure it out how to get somewhere quickly, efficiently, and safely. You know, but yeah, still really, really dangerous. The numbers don't lie. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so, I mean... For, I mean, okay, there was so much, like, value that you just provided that, like, honestly, like, I don't want to take up more of your time. But if if you don't mind me ending it with, like, as you reflect back on your life, Young, what is kind of, I guess, the biggest takeaway or something that if you, like, could speak to your younger self, right? Kind of be like, yo, little, like, little homie Eddie, like, this is what... I would want to say to you or like, you know, a message that you could say to yourself back in the day. Yeah. Um, that's a good question. What would I tell myself? I'd say stop doing drugs. <laughs> um, don't do drugs, kids. <laughs> don't do drugs. Quit smoking cigarettes right now. <laughs> For all those vlogs, you'll, you'll know why that's so funny, man. But, uh, man, what I would do is what, what I would tell my younger self is what I like to tell young people now. Yeah. Is, and, and that was just be just to encourage whatever is on, what whatever was on my mind, just be encouraging. Um, a lot of people have, uh, whenever you, whenever you try something, you're always going to have a, a little self doubt. creep in. <laughs> Facts. Um, but having, uh, successful people, people that you look up to, uh, tell you, Hey, you know, you might have some self doubt, but I believe in you. You can get through this, have faith. Um, just keep pressing forward and just being, 
just showing encouragement. I think that's what I would tell my younger self. Um, shout out to my uncle, actually, my, my mom's oldest brother. Mm-hmm. All the people that, uh, that never wavered in their faith in me other than April is, is my uncle. Oh, and No matter how, because I, I lived with him, so he saw how <laughs> I was. Yeah. And he saw like how much of a degenerate I had turned into like with his own eyes. And, you know, he, he told me himself, he's like, Hey, you know, like you're my nephew. I love you, but your mom is, that's my baby sister. You know, he he told it to me like that. And I was like, damn man to man, I can understand that. You know, I can definitely understand that. Um, He was like, you know, I don't care what anybody says. You follow your dreams. I believe in you. I see you like this. And he was talking to me and I was like, absolutely just smash. But I remember him still telling me like, I, I, I still believe in you. Even in this state, I still believe in Damn. you. Um, and those words meant a lot to me. And obviously it, it helped carry me to where I am. So if I were to see my younger self, yeah, I would just encourage him, you know, just like my uncle did for me when I was younger. And just like when younger people reach out to me, so the best thing I can do for young people is just let them know like, Hey, it's hard, but you can do it. Keep Jeez. going. Once you give up, it's over. You've already, once you give up, the answer is there. You didn't make it. That's it. You're done. Damn. See you later. Yeah. Question's been answered. Bye-bye. Plain and simple. But if you keep going and you don't give up, then that question remains unanswered until until we get that answer. Amen. Thank you for that. Um, I mean, the podcast uh, will will end there, but if you don't mind, uh, I end all the, like, interviews with like a quick fire round of just random questions just to kind of lighten up the mood and whatnot but thank you again um young for all that value hope you guys enjoyed that but um yeah you ready to get into it young is that is that okay all right for sure um so the first question is if you were not a lawyer what would you be if i was not a lawyer i think um i think i would be a professor just like my dad shoot so like teaching you would have stuck with that creative route like you said i would have so I, I always wanted to be a writer, yeah. um, but as a writer, most like a lot of writers become professors because mm-hmm. um, it's hard to just live off of writing. So I'm, I'm pretty sure I would have done that. And as much as I hate school, I also, I also kind of love it too, you know, because um, <laughs> when you meet that right professor, you meet that right teacher that really gets you, yeah. they can really, they can really change the way Absolutely. Um, you think and change the way you act and. I feel like I would have been a great professor and help lead young minds into, you know, what they want to do in their future. I, I mean, could see myself doing that. I see you being a pastor, Loki. But anyway, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, just playing. But thank you. Okay, so next question would be: so teacher, right? Or essentially, some sort of professor, educational, right? Yeah. Okay, for sure. Respect. Um, next question is: the worst piece of advice you've ever received. So. The so like, worst piece of advice yeah. that I ever received was, um, and I touched on it uh, before uh-huh. in the podcast, was when you start your business, you got to start it in K-Town because you're Korean. Oh, shoot. And uh, I listened to that. I don't know why. I usually don't listen to advice like that, but I did. Uh, I'm glad I smartened up and, and left, but that's really dumb. You cannot base... You cannot base your success on race. And I, I want to touch on this a little bit. This is Please. really important. Uh, we're in America, okay? We're the minorities. Mm-hmm. Um, whether you're, you know, if you're black, you're a minority. You're Korean, you're a minority. And each minority has their own different set of obstacles to hurdle 
when you're in America. Um, but, and is it, is the system set up for, um, minorities to, to not do as well? Yeah, I think it is. I think it's pretty, it's quite clear, but complaining about that is not going to get you anywhere. You just have to understand that that obstacle is there and you're going to have to get over that obstacle. Is it fair? Is it unfair that we have to go through these extra obstacles as minorities? No, it's not. Um, but they're there. So what are you going to do about it? You can complain about it or you can just work three, four times harder and, and jump that hurdle. So. Facts. No, thank you. No, seriously, because I'm sure a lot of people can feel that way as minorities, you know, from our audience as well and whatnot. They they use it as an excuse, kind of. Does that kind of make sense? Like, oh. Yeah, like, I hear it a lot. Right. Why would I do that? You know, like, why, why would I set up my business in, in the city when, you know, my people are here, here in K-Town? Here K-Town, yeah. <laughs> thank you. That was a great answer. Okay, next question is... The biggest regret or action that you've ever, like, decision that you've made? Uh, my biggest regret or action that I've made? Um, man, I have a lot of regrets. <laughs> if I you can know, just narrow it down to one. I would say one, growing yeah. up, you know, around when my dad died, I really made, I didn't help my mom's depression very much, mm. you know? She was going through it like I can only imagine thinking back now as a married man, to, you know, to lose your spouse. Yeah. Um, I could have really been there for her um, sooner, you know, uh, for sure. like right then and there. And instead of thinking about what my mom needed, I, I think that really thought more about what I needed or what I wanted. And if I could kind of turn back the clock there, I think I could have given my mom a little less grief and um, wisened up a little bit quicker for her. Because uh, she really went through it for for many, many years, man. Until, you know, I don't think my mom really felt like herself again until my daughter, Was my daughter born? came. Wow. And that until really, Stella. like, flipped a different switch on my mom. So Stella says, says every day, you know, Hymony is my best friend. Just <laughs> here every day. Amen. That's we awesome. each other's lives. Um, so, and, and that also, if there's another regret, I wish I had five kids. I wish I had a lot of kids. Word. I started my business and I had this really wrong mentality that if you have a kid, then it's going to get in the way of what I'm, I'm doing right now. Yeah. That's not the case at all. Word. Not at all. Not even a little bit. It's just different things. You can definitely get your work done and still be a father, a good father. Um, and I, and I see my daughter now, it's like, man, I wish I met you like five years ago. And I wish you had a bunch of brothers and little sisters too, because I only have one sister, but uh, my mom comes from a big family with a lot of brothers yeah, and a like lot of cousins. So Christmas, Thanksgiving, it's a big deal. Yeah. Right now for Stella's generation, like my, my sister's still single. Um, so she has no cousins. It's a struggle, uh, man. All my cousins don't have kids. She's kind of lonely on her own. So, um, <laughs> That I guess I wish I, I knocked out some some babies earlier. So anyone who thinks that uh can't have kids when you're running a business, that is not true. They will not prevent you from doing anything. In fact, if anything, maybe they might uh, motivate you more to, to keep pushing. Yeah. So flip that perspective, right? It's all about yeah. that perspective in that way for sure. And sorry, last question. So we went from worst, right? What is kind of the proudest moment for Edward Kim? Like kind of like Eddie was like, shit, man, Eddie, good job, man. Like really, like. 
because like i'm sure you are so caught up with the work and all that but like you know really taking that moment like did you have a moment or something like you know back in like your proudest moment where you're just like eddie fuck yeah man man i really don't man you know i i really really don't have a moment like that and i remember when you hit me up and you're like i want you to do a podcast and i was like for what yeah you know? well, what are we, what are we i'm not i haven't done anything yeah uh, and i truly feel that way oh um, man I look at other people, you know, people that I look up to, we'll just go back to the David Dobrik example, you know, like, I think what he's done is like incredible. Like it's amazing. Um, and he did it with like his friends and a camera and a computer, you know, (laughs) and he's so young and he just, he was just so driven, like at a young age. And I'm like, man, what if I had started when, what if I had started being driven at that age, you know? Mm. I just feel like there's so many other more like remarkable people out there. And when I put my accomplishments up to their accomplishments, like it's not really an accomplishment. I feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And, you know, yeah, am I proud of that? Yeah, Thank you. yeah, I'm, I'm proud. I'm, definitely, I'm not ashamed of it, but it's not something where I look at them like, hey, 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 look what I did. Look what I do. Look what I have. I've never seen it that way Absolutely. ever. I feel like I'm still working towards trying to accomplish something, you know, something really big. Um, I'm not quite sure what that is yet, but definitely don't think that uh, I can't sit here and be like, I had this proud moment. Maybe maybe buying my mom a house, but that wasn't really a proud moment. Yeah. It was like, I felt like I owed that to my mom. Damn, I see. To that. I see what you mean. That's a big difference there, for sure. Yeah. I mean, with that said, I mean we'll end it there. I mean, thank you again so much, Eddie Hong, just for your time. Um, it, it it was just an absolute blessing. Um, if you don't mind telling the audience how they can connect with you, like, you know, give them like your plug and whatnot. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, if you had a good time listening to this podcast, you want to talk to me some more, feel free to DM me, my Instagram, Edward F Kim. Um, and my YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com backslash C backslash Edward F Kim. You can find me there. Um, and feel free to hit me up. I will definitely get back at you. No doubt he will. I am witness of that or proof of that right there. And I'll leave all his links in the show notes and whatnot. Um, seriously, again, Edward Kim. Oh, wait, Hyung, what does the F stand for? I never even got to ask that. I'm so sorry. Uh, well, um, the F is for phenomenal, man. Like Wheezy said. <laughs> That's fucking boss. All right, we'll end it with that. Thank you so much let me, again. Let me explain that. Let me explain that. Okay, first of all, yeah, go ahead, please. Um, just so people don't think it's too weird. Yeah, Edward Kim is actually a very popular name, whether you whether you understand that or not. Yep. So just to distinguish myself, I, was, I never had a middle name. Like some people had like their Korean name as their middle yeah, name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Parents didn't do that. Uh huh. So I have no middle name. It's always been just Edward Kim. So to distinguish myself, I gave myself a middle name. And I got that from Wayne because I'm a huge Wayne. Wayne. Like I love little Wayne, like mixtape Wayne. Oh, like you know, like 2000s, late 2000s. Oof. Like that was my shit. And so <laughs> I just thought that was a funny spin. So if if you know, you know, and if you don't, <laughs> don't you don't. You don't. 
No, hey, if you know, you know, that's what's up. All right, for sure. Thanks for explaining that. I was super curious. I was like, there's not a lot of Korean names that start with F, you know what I mean? So I was kind of bouncing around. But anyway, um, thank you again to Mr. Kim, Mr. Edward Kim. Thank you so much, um, Hyung, just for your time. Thank you, audience, for tuning in. Um, again, this is the Godsend Podcast. I'm your host, Raymond Chi. And until next time, take care and God bless. Peace. All right. Appreciate you, bro. Yo, thank you again for tuning in. For more information on everything you just heard, please check out this week's episode show notes or head over to godsendpodcast.com.